Help your people love their work again. Hey, it's Nikki Llewellyn Gregory, and you're on Gut Plus Science, a mentoring platform for people-first leaders of all levels. Here, we talk to exceptional leaders who prioritize culture, get fired up about employee engagement, and are excited to share ideas and tools for bettering employee experience to help others. Thank you for joining us to invest in being a better leader. Now, let's get to it. Hey, it's Nikki, and today we are launching into another healthcare-focused episode with a woman who has been in the industry for over four decades, is known as an innovator in the healthcare space, and highly connected throughout the country, across the globe, just truly has a huge heart for this industry and for people. And our topic today is around helping your people love their work again. So we'll get to it. Hey, it's Nikki back with Chrissy Burke of Higher Up Leadership for our next healthcare episode with Joyce Batchelor, a longtime friend to the Higher Up organization. I got to meet Joyce through Brad, who is one of the founders of Higher Up, and he just talked so highly, and I loved my initial conversation. So much passion for the healthcare industry and doing things different. Joyce is truly a thought leader for the healthcare industry, and we are very fortunate to have her. Chrissy, can I turn it over to you to introduce Joyce today? Absolutely. Well, I am thrilled to welcome Joyce Batchelor to our conversation today. Joyce is an innovative healthcare leader with a career spanning over 40 years, and I'm proud to have known Joyce now for probably 10 years. Joyce has developed a reputation for her ability to transform nursing organizations, healthcare, and nursing leadership alongside the improvement of patient outcomes. Her extensive leadership experience focuses on driving large system changes with large complex hospital systems and throughout professional involvement at state and national levels. Joyce served as chief nursing officer for 19 years in the largest healthcare system in central Texas. She specializes as chief nursing officer onboarding and authored numerous peer review publications on the subject. Joyce, helping people love their work again. Why is this such a problem now? I think that we really want to see nurses fall back in love with being a nurse and being very proud of the work that they are doing. And I think that uh, why it's a bit of a problem today is that we have been pacing for over two and a half years at what is really a disaster level response. And when I hear people say nurses need to be more resilient, I just smile and think to myself, they are being resilient. That's how they've done this as long as they have. But they're getting tired, as you can imagine. It's the pace that everyone has been working at, as well as all the complexities and changes over the last several years with COVID really changing things uh, pretty dramatic in some ways. And I think that you know we need to get nurses to really be proud of who they are the work that they lead, and the difference that they make every day so they can feel really fulfilled and really understand that the reason why you went into the profession was a good one. Hold on to that. Don't give up on it. You may have bad days, but that's normal. And we stay in here together and work together as a team. We can overcome just about anything. Well, let's talk a minute about disengagement, Joyce. What is the first step, in your opinion, in solving the problem of disengagement in healthcare? I think that we've got to rebuild trust with our staff. And I think we've also got to learn how to like really listen to them. What I am finding is that they have a lot to say. They have been through a lot. They have seen a lot. They have 
had experiences at both work and at home. I think we forget sometimes nurses, physicians, healthcare providers, they work and live in communities that have had fires, hurricanes, floodings, massive shootings. And so all of that on top of the COVID and the flu and the call outs and working with travelers and all this other stuff, it's been a lot. So how do we get out there and listen, give them the time and honor what they've been through and really look at and appreciate what they have accomplished and then really begin to look at how do we move forward? So it's really making almost like a formal transition from the craziness that we have been working under and how to now begin to create a new future. And I preach on this one in terms of we've got to get unstuck because if we don't create the future we want for the nursing profession, I worry about what will happen because other people will step in and start telling us to do things that I don't think will be in the best interest of our patients and those in the community that we serve. Joyce, I love what you're sharing so far, and I'm so curious because of our past conversation, you know, how do we help ignite or reignite the flame in people, or how are you advising that for the nursing industry? I think to reignite people's hearts, we need to really give them time to share something they're proud of. Tell a patient's story that, that you made a difference, that really warms your heart. And how do we start to have more time to really do appreciative inquiry where you really want to know what they're most proud of, where they feel like they made a big difference and there's, they really want to share that with their colleagues. Because I think that we focus so much on what the data is telling us about turnover, burnout, and all these other things. And we're not remembering that there's a lot of great care being given every single day. And I think that we're getting too stuck on some of the negatives and we need to start really recognizing the amazing work that people are still doing and the transformational changes that they're helping to create, I think is really important. And I say that we had the pleasure and very much the, we were gracious and grateful to receive some sponsorship dollars from Johnson & Johnson for the last Sino Academy that we hosted and Linda Benton was there from Johnson & Johnson and was sharing with us their rapid fire, quick fire like challenges, but the, all of the things that nurses were putting in proposals for to get grant dollars to help them with ideas that they had. And I went ahead and volunteered to be a reviewer for this kind of work. And I was amazed and so humbled by seeing the kinds of ideas that staff nurses were creating and nurses of all different levels. And I thought, this is what we need to be showcasing, is that they have the answers. And what we've got to do is start listening more to them and really empowering them to have their voices heard. And so it's it's really like, how do you begin to take and have every C-suite executive think of themselves as leading a shark tank, where they're going to really try to enlist their staff and those that they're working with to come up with, if they had no restrictions, what would they wish we could change and do? And really begin to learn what are those ideas and how do we support them? Because I believe they have the answers. I don't think we're listening and I don't think we're providing the time and the resources to do this kind of work. Yes. Just the last episode that I recorded, it was all about one thing, one leadership skill, and that was listening. And just the 
gosh, what, what a good listener leader does to elevate people and to take the next right steps because it wasn't guesswork. It was truly like feedback from their people. So many things. So thank you for reiterating that. Let's talk data for a minute. What are the main metrics like the leadership dashboard components to keep our eye on as a leader to really know what's going on? Well, I think finances, of course, is always looked at. But I think when you look at that, you want to really be aware what's going on with your absenteeism. You know, what is happening to the number of nurses that are willing to pick up shifts? How much overtime are some of your people working? Because, you know, we speak out of both sides of our mouths. We don't want you to overextend yourself. And so please don't work too, too many hours. We want you to take care of yourself, but have a balance. And then we have a short, we have a call in for tonight. We're short. So we say, can you come in extra? And so now we're putting that person into some major overtime hours. And so it's like, how do you balance all of that? But I think the other piece is, you know, how well do they talk with one another and support each other in their teamwork? You know, how are they interfacing with the patients and the families? What are they messaging to our student nurses who are up on those nursing units or to the travelers that are working there? To me, I keep telling them, a lot of the nurses and nursing leaders, those are your recruits. You need to make sure that you're checking out all those nursing students and figuring out who do you want to recruit to your unit? Hey, you'd make a great clinical assistant or patient care tech. Come work with us. And then when you finish, stay here with us. We would love to have you. Doing the same thing with pick off those travelers. You know, see who you can convert to say, this is the place you want to stay and have a home and be a part of the team because we're good. And Really trying to look at, you know, how are they working together? And I say that because one of the things that we have chatted about a whole lot when we've worked with some nurse managers, charge nurses, and others, we lost a lot of traditions during COVID. And when I say that, what I mean is we weren't having lunch together. We weren't doing potlucks. We weren't doing birthday celebrations. We couldn't even see what you look like. People started putting their pictures on their scrubs because you couldn't tell who they were. And so if you're a new nurse coming in and you can't even really sit down and get to know people and you don't have the opportunity to go out for a drink or everybody gets together to do some kind of fun function, we lost all of that. And that's a big thing when you're looking at from a new person coming in, I want to fit in. I want to belong. I want you to feel confident that I'm a good nurse that I'm learning, that I'm doing my part. How do you get that if you don't really have some of those social situations? And so I think that we're trying to look at how do we bring some of that joy back into the work environment? How do we do recognition and celebrations? And, you know, that these people are not looking for million-dollar cars. They're looking for somebody saying, you did an amazing job today, Chrissy, and I know we were tight on staffing, we should feel good about what we accomplished together. And so I think we've got to start to get our, our leaders, who I think sometimes we have forgotten about, they have worked extremely hard too. <laughs> Some of these leaders are being very, they've been traumatized. They have been in the trenches doing nothing but figuring out staffing and more staffing and more staffing. And they did what they needed to do, opening up 100 new critical care beds. I don't think people understand what that means and what it takes. And I think we've got to recognize that they've been through a lot. So let's be a little more gentle now that we're trying to figure out how to get ourselves going again, because I'm all about being accountable for metrics. But I think there's a way of coaching people to help them 
and inquire about those metrics rather than beat them up. And it's a balance right now. And and getting people comfortable dealing with these polarities is something that I think we need to be focused on. Mm. So much wisdom in this episode so far. Thank you so much. I wanted to walk in to follow up with your statement about really recognizing the hard work of of leadership in healthcare. It's been neat to see a lot of emphasis put on, you know, front lines in healthcare, you know, through COVID, which they've always worked that hard. And I think it's it's been nice to see more recognition on healthcare. And I think sometimes it is overlooked, the leadership behind that. And I just, I love that you made that point that sometimes all that hard work, maybe the light isn't shining as brightly on that. And I, and it, and it really should be. So I love that you said that. Here's where I want to go in in this next part. Leadership is a powerful ripple effect, right? And leadership alignment and cohesion is so important so that that ripple effect is intentionally designed. So it's doing the, what we want it to do. Share what leadership alignment at the highest level looks like from your personal experience, a story when you saw an aligned leadership team and how that's played out to affect the ripple effect of the people. I actually wrote a little article about my experience of being part of an effective triad when I was in my former system CNO role. And what that meant was that the top CEO, the system chief medical officer and myself were meeting to really look at the outcomes that we saw at every site when it came to patient safety, because we had a goal back in 2005 to get to zero preventable deaths and injuries by 2008. I would tell you that was one of some of the most fun years I had because of that alignment and the accountability that was heightened at each site. But it was also people understanding that it wasn't to be punitive. It was to figure out what we needed to do as leaders to make the environments better, healthier, safer, so that people were set up to be successful in the care that they were delivering. And I used to always say to people, I want this to be so intuitive that when it's 3 a.m. on a Saturday morning and the new grad came off of orientation yesterday, that the person knows what to do. And if we don't have that sort of thing set up, then we are not should not be satisfied because we're going to have errors. And the alignment there, I have to tell you, we got to zero on so many metrics and had work that was so stellar and Part of what we learned during that process is that there were hard things that you learned, but good things at the same time. What I was proud of is that there was never hesitation that we would continue on that road. So I always say we have the answers on how to save a lot of money in healthcare. And if you would really ask the staff that does the work every day, I think we could save a lot of money, billions of dollars, if we have the best outcomes. And that's the part that I would hope as we're going forward that we're going to continue to have more interprofessional teamwork and collaboration. That's how everybody wins, especially the patients and the people in our communities, which is what we went into these professions to make a difference with. Yeah. Winning on all levels. I love that. And you hit on this a little bit, and this ties right into what you were talking about. And then Chrissy, I'm about to pass it over to you. Talk about the power of standardization and how it really helps move people and workplaces forward, particularly from an engagement perspective. You know, I did a lot of standardization in my prior role, and we were able to move people around more readily. And again, the if things are the same no matter where I show up, I can really hit the ground running, and you're more likely to be able to 
continue to do the right standards and be set up for success. If you're trying to figure out all the variations as you go from place to place, you're more likely to make a mistake. And I think that that's what we have experienced with a lot of outside people coming into organizations. Don't know that we have stopped to reflect on the role of the charge nurses and what they're really dealing with when they're trying to make assignments and it involves the preceptor with new graduates that are in their internship transition to practice programs. There are nurses who have floated in from other units. There's a traveler. There's a new grad who's come off of orientation three days ago. And you sort of scratch your head and think, how do I make assignments? When I start looking at the variation in all the different levels of experience of the people that are working there, and then if everything is different in this organization versus that, as you have people moving in and out, they're going to make mistakes. And that's part of the issue that we've got to figure out is how do you take again and make those environments where you set people up to be successful? Nurses, physicians, respiratory therapists, others, they do not wake up and think, I'm going to hurt someone today or I'm going to kill a patient today with a medication error. That's not where they're, they're at at all. But if we don't have the right things in place, we're setting them up potentially for those errors. And that makes people very anxious, as you might imagine. So we've got to figure out, again, how do you build that teamwork and have a really safe organization that no questions, stupid, everything that you want, question. I would rather have someone that's asking a ton of questions rather than have somebody that's going to go in and kind of wing it. So the more we can standardize and have things be fluid like that, you can move people around, which would give people the opportunity for some diversity in where they work and things that they might like to try. And I think the Generation Z and the millennials like that. And so we've got to figure out how do we create the way that they can move around and have some different experiences without always having to leave your organization. Well, I think, Joyce, that really dovetails nicely into vision um, and alignment, which we've talked about a lot here. I think people want a vision. They want to connect to a vision. It helps them to be better at what they do. So given that and knowing what I know about you and your passion in operationalizing a vision, can you share a story or two of you doing this in your career, operationalizing a vision? I would tell you that um, one of the things that I'm still most proud of is that we did a shared governance system across multiple hospitals. And it also was including different clinics and home care and different parts of the continuum. And I was probably too young and too naive to know that that was hard work. But what made me really begin to think that that was the direction I was supposed to be going is my boss would stand up and tell people in the community as well as the board members and others that the standard of care is the same no matter which facility you go in. And I think, oh my God, that's not true. <laughs> and and it, as we started to bring different organizations in, it was like, that's not where they're at. But it helped to really look at that's where we should be at though. And so that was really the vision that I latched onto and thought, okay, the care should be the same no matter where you go. How do we do that? How do we standardize our policies, procedures, ideally equipment, the ways we train our nurses, uh, bring them in, onboard them, recognize, celebrate, share best practices. You know, how do we steal shamelessly when someone's doing better than someone else? And I can tell you that when I first began talking about some of that, I think they were all chipping in to buy a, 
a plane ticket to have me go back to Northern Virginia, which is where I had come from, because they were sort of figuring like, oh, this is just ridiculous. Who is this person? But to go from people wondering like who I was and how crazy they thought I was initially or pushy at times to having them when we did get four hospitals designated as magnet all at once on one application, which was really, we were number 61, two, three, and four. When we accomplished that, less than 1% of the hospitals were magnet designated. And then to watch them, and you would think that I had nothing to do with that, that it was them that had come up with the fact that they should reach this kind of excellence. And they owned it and they had pride in it. And I remember kind of being taken aback one day and I thought, wow. And then I started to laugh to myself and thought, this is what I want. It's that they have ownership and pride and look at the level of engagement. And that made me proud because it took a lot of unleashing of people's talents, even when they didn't believe in themselves. It was a lot of, well, let's try this. If it doesn't work, try something else. And if we made a mistake, you pick yourself up, you figure out why didn't it go well? And what do you learn? Because the best thing is you learn from your mistakes. You don't do them again and then go forward. I would say that's been very powerful. And then I would tell you my other thing is since I've left the um, being a system C, you know, I created a chief nursing officer academy, as you know. And the thing that's been so much fun is that I now went to like the A1L meeting in San Antonio and I didn't get very far before someone would say, hi, do you remember me? I was in Sino Academy cohort number, whatever. And they would tell me what they've been doing now since they attended. And many of them have promoted into their first chief nursing officer jobs, some into COO jobs, but their, their pride, their confidence in being able to take the hills and know that we had provided them at least at part of their journey with tools and things that they would be able to do to set themselves to be successful is what makes my day. And so that warms my heart and re-energizes myself. So and the faculty that I work with and others, because we got to have great leaders to continue to meet the challenges because it's tough right now, but it's also, I think, filled with possibilities. And so we're trying to get them re-energized. And I always say to them, I want to be able to retire at some point and feel confident that if I show up in the ED, I'm going to have really great people taking care of me. So <laughs> we need to really play it forward and get back for the kinds of support we've received in our careers. Joyce, we've sure packed a ton of your mentorship into a very quick episode. So thank you for being such a distinct teacher and storyteller. Chrissy, before we go over to our lightning round to learn a little bit more about the personal side of Joyce and get some other you know, mentorship, I'd love to make sure our listeners know about the great work you all are doing at Higher Up Leadership. So please make sure that we give a plug for Higher Up and all your greatness. You are fabulous, Nikki. So higher up places, the top healthcare leaders in interim management and executive search opportunities at the top healthcare systems in the United States. We are very relationship oriented and we give back to the nursing community. We also lead authentically, both with empathy and with compassion. Because we have all been touched personally by healthcare experiences, both good and bad, we absolutely love what we do and we're privileged to help advance professional careers and causes. Mm. And such a heartfelt team. I love working with you all. And the mission behind why you do what you do is just, it's just inspiring. So with that, we're going to take a quick break and we're going to come back and learn a little bit more about the personal side of Joyce Batchelor. We'll be right back. 
if you're leading with a people-first mindset, which most likely you are because you're listening to Gut Plus Science, join People Forward Network, the largest community of humans on a shared mission to lead meaningful work. You can find us at peopleforwardnetwork.com or follow People Forward Network on LinkedIn. All right, here we are back on Gut Plus Science. So I've got my co-host, Chrissy Burke, with me today, and we are ready to dive into a couple of questions with Joyce Batchelor. So with that, Chrissy, can I turn it over to you to ask our first lightning round question? Absolutely. Joyce, what is a favorite book that you would recommend that our leader audience read? The book that comes to mind very quickly is called The Leadership Trajectory it's Developing Le- Legacy Leadership. Dr. Patricia Yoder-Weiss, Karen Kowalski, and Susie Sportsman are the three authors. And Dr. Patricia Yoder-Weiss is actually one of the faculty members that I work with for the CNO Academy. And she's also one of the founders of uh, the Nurses Legacy Institute that we have set up. And there's so much in this book that is so practical. So that would be my favorite book to recommend. We will add that to our ever-growing list of recommended reading for the Gut Plus Science audience. Thank you. And Joyce, what are you most grateful for now at this time in your life? I am grateful for the fact that I have my health, number one, and that also I have the opportunity to work with so many leaders on all levels and nurses in general that really want to make a difference. And I'm currently in the president of the Texas Nursing Association role. And I'm really grateful for this opportunity to impact the nursing profession across the state and and further on with other roles that I have. But uh, it's the support from my family, my daughter and my son, for sure. But I would say that I've come to really appreciate my health and my safety. Joyce, I'm very grateful that you have your fingerprints over so many things that are happening right now in healthcare, and you are such an incredible influence to everyone. So thank you. I'm grateful for that. Hmm. Wonderful. Joyce, failing or never trying, which do you advocate for and why? I think that if you don't fail, you're not pushing the envelope enough. And I have failed plenty of times. I have pushed things. I've gotten in trouble. My favorite saying has been proceed until apprehended. That's been my philosophy for quite a long time. And I can tell you that there were days when I wish I had been writing an email rather than what blurted out of my mouth. But I I think it's a matter of how do you then take whatever it was that you didn't do well and learn from it and just keep going because that's how you get better. And I think sometimes we're risk avoidant in healthcare and to be innovative, you got to try stuff. So So do it. And then you know, if it doesn't work, stop doing it and figure out what else you might be able to do because there's a lot of possibilities, but you got to try. And I'd rather fail than to feel like I've been holding it all together and just kind of going with the flow. That That's not my nature, my, not my personality at all. You got to push the envelope. That's how we break through. And being in the first quarter of the new year, to all that are listening, like what is that thing that you've been thinking about doing and haven't because you're nervous about it? Like, you know, failure is such a great teacher. Go for it. Try it. Life's short. And Joyce, before we go, can you just let our listeners know the best way to connect with you after this episode today? Sure. Best email address would be Joyce, J-O-I-C-E dot bachelor, B-A-T-C-H-E-L-L-E-R at the nurseslegacy.org. 
And that is the website of the TNLI, the Nurses Legacy Institute. That's my email. And I'm happy to chat with anyone if you want to learn more about some of the things that we're doing. If you wanted to take exception with something I said, I'm very happy to always chat with people and hear all the different sides. I just really have a great passion for this profession and believe in the fact that we've got amazing people. We've just got to get them revved up and reignited and moving forward again. All right. Truth you can act on from our conversation today with Joyce Batchelor. Number one, rebuilding trust is the foundation to driving engagement. Trust is core. And again, where we said help your people love their work again, whether you're starting or you're doing again, trust is the foundation. And we've got to focus on building and rebuilding that. Number two, hone in on what your people are most proud of tap into their why behind their work and build their positive emotion around what it is that they're proud of and they find joy in with regards to what they do. Asking powerful questions and highlighting specifics around what they're doing is just so powerful and meaningful. Number three, stand out by leading with data insights. Have dashboard metrics. Joyce shared some of her experiences with this. You know, Gut Plus Science has the science in the name because I believe so strongly in being guided with data, packaged in with all the things that we know in our heart and our gut. But it's so important to be leading with data insights. And how could you sharpen that? Number four. Reflect on your level of standardization across your organization and find ways to hone and sharpen that. Providing systems to support the growth of people at all levels really, truly moves people forward. So how can you get better with standardization and your systems? Think about a way you could level up. We'll see you next time. We just left the world a little bit better. Now. Go do something with it.